Hello, welcome to the World of Wetlands, a podcast about wetlands and all their wonders. World of Wetlands is developed and sponsored by the James C. Kennedy Waterfowl and Wetlands Conservation Center at Clemson University. We are a group of graduate students associated with the Kennedy Center studying different aspects of wetlands, and we decided to create a podcast series to talk about them, their importance to wildlife and humans, and all of the cool things that make wetlands, well, wetlands. Hello there, I'm Jordan McCall, a first-year master's student at Clemson, here to guide you as we wade into the shallow waters of the wonderful world of wetlands. Here to help on this journey are our hosts. I'm Cindy Von Hauck. I'm a second-year master's student at Clemson University, researching tree cavities suitable for nesting wood ducks. And I'm Sindupa De Silva, a PhD student at West Virginia University, studying wetlands and their relationships with human disturbance. And lastly, my name is Jessica Bryzik, and I am a master's student at West Virginia University studying wetland mitigation. Throughout our episodes, you will be introduced to many of our hosts who are young professionals in the field of natural resources and who work on and in wetlands, as well as experts and sometimes members of the community. In this episode, we are going to talk about what is a wetland. You probably already have a good idea of what a wetland is, whether you know it or not. So, let's see what a couple folks say when when they were asked, what is a wetland? A wetland is a usually lower than the surrounding area that where water stands for most of the year. An area with a bunch of water. A place that absorbs all the water and filtrates it and provides diverse environment for wetland creatures. An area of wetland. The land is covered by water. It's called the wetland. I'd say that it's a um, buffer from the like ocean to normal land and uh, just an important ecosystem. After hearing this, do you think you know what a wetland is? Conventionally, we may think of wetlands as areas in your backyard or in a local park that collect and hold water. Areas where frogs and turtles croak and creak. Perhaps you envision something like Shrek's magnificent swamp on TV, where everything is covered in moss, the water is muddy, and the trees look like they have legs. Speaking of Shrek's swamp, what do you call it when too many fairy tale creatures move into his swamp? Ogre population. Um, yeah, okay, moving on. When you see standing water ringed with plants like cattails and containing wildlife such as frogs, dragonflies, and turtles, you probably think, yep, that's a wetland. More than likely, you're correct. But wetlands, like people, come in all shapes and sizes. Wetlands don't always have standing water. Wetlands can have trees and shrubs, and wetlands can be found in both freshwater and saltwater environments. If you didn't know this before and want to learn more about wetlands, you've come to the right place. In this episode of the World of Wetlands, we begin our deep dive series, Introducing You to Wetlands. Hopefully, by the end of the podcast, you will be able to answer the question, what is a wetland? Before we get there, we need a little background. Wetlands are a type of ecosystem, and there are many types of ecosystems across the globe. So, what creates different ecosystems like wetlands? Cindy, can you help us with this? Absolutely. 
Let's start with our dear Mother Earth. She is made up of many kinds of ecosystems, such as forests, oceans, ice caps, grasslands, deserts, and more. As you move from the frigid northern and southern poles to the warmth of the equator, the Earth's climate and weather patterns shift, as well as the underlying rock that shapes the landscape on the surface. In response to differing climates and landscape features, the temperature and availability of water, erosion, and sedimentation also change, and further work to shape the ecosystems that form. Together, all these factors occurring over hundreds, thousands, and even hundreds of thousands of years leave each to have its own unique characteristics. Although each ecosystem lends itself to its physical environment, it's the complex web of interactions each has with living organisms that makes it truly special. It's because of these unique characteristics in each environment that certain species exist, and why you wouldn't find, say, a polar bear in a tropical forest, or an iguana in a tundra. I see. So the underlying physical factors of our world shape the formation of ecosystems, and together with living organisms create an interconnected system, aka ecosystems. Okay, so how does this relate to wetlands? Maybe it's time to really get into the weeds. Sindupa, why don't you take it away? All right, I got you. So, a wetland is a type of ecosystem, but there are a large variety of wetlands that form based on elevation, latitude, climate, and geology. A wetland that is in a desert environment is very different from a wetland in a forested landscape. The non-living characteristics, such as the climate and geology, influences how water flows across the landscape and through ecosystems, and how water flows and the amount of water that is available ultimately influences how a wetland looks, functions, and what plants and wildlife live there. Our next episode goes into this in greater detail. But let's break it down. A wetland is exactly how it sounds. It is a place that is both wet, but contains land that is dry. The land component may alternate seasonally, where some parts of the year it may be wet, while other parts of the year it may appear dry. It can also be transitional, creating an interface between dry land and water. Sometimes wetlands can even go years without water. Even though you may not be able to see standing water all year round, a wetland has saturated soils, meaning water is still present in the soil even if you can't see it. Ever seen survival shows where they dig down in a dried area and find water? Yeah, this soil characteristic is a defining factor for what a wetland is. To put it in context, think of a flood. Would we consider a town that has been flooded a wetland just because it is covered in water? No, right? Because water doesn't usually exist there. A wetland is shaped by water and defined by it, and will have saturated soils along with specific wetland-associate vegetation. Since all wetlands have water, but not all areas that are wet are wetland, where do we actually find wetlands? Hey Jess, can you give us some examples of wetlands and where to find them? Sure thing. 
but that will be a little difficult since wetlands can be found throughout the entire globe, even on Antarctica. Let's start high and just follow the flow of the water. In mountainous regions, water moves quickly as it is pulled down by gravity, so a wetland can only exist in areas that retain water. The Cranberry Glades in West Virginia is an example of an area that can collect enough water to form a wetland. The wetland is surrounded by forested ridges that drain into a flatter basin where water, decomposing plant material, and layers of sediment from the mountainside slowly collect. The Cranberry Glades is a bog, which is a term used to describe wetlands that have a very spongy surface that is covered by a layer of moss and lichens with standing water and deep layers of peat or decaying plant material beneath the surface. Slope wetlands are another type of wetland found in mountainous or hilly areas. These wetlands receive their water input from groundwater, where the groundwater table meets the soil surface and water seemingly seeps out of nowhere and creates a unique oasis that contrasts sharply with the immediate surroundings. All right, I gotcha. So, in areas that aren't flat, you need some kind of depression that collects water in order to find a wetland. Makes sense. But what about flat areas, like the prairies? Wait, let me jump in here and muddy the waters a little bit. On flat landscapes, water meanders slowly in search of the slightest drop in elevation to carve out a path for itself. Wetlands in these flat areas can be extremely large because the elevation changes are so small that water spreads out over huge areas. This is the case for floodplain wetlands such as swamp forested wetlands which are dominated by trees and lots of standing water. Congaree National Park in South Carolina is one of the most preserved floodplain and swamp forested wetlands in the United States. Periods of flooding drive the function of these wetlands and support diverse communities of plants and animals. Here, floodwaters deposit nutrient-rich soils that give life to a diverse network of plants, which in turn support the lives of mammals, reptiles, birds, and insects. Just listen to all that diversity. Part of the reason for this diversity of wildlife is that large old-growth loblolly pines provide additional habitat vertically with some trees reaching the same height as 17-story buildings. In addition to swamp forested wetlands, there are marsh wetlands that are composed of vast expanses of grasses and aquatic plants that either float on or are surrounded by standing water. They're in mountains, they're in flat areas, they're in deserts. Wetlands can be found in areas along stream banks, somewhere groundwater seeps out, like the slope wetlands we mentioned earlier, or in small depressions that trap occasional rains. Even in a desert where water is scarce, wetlands can be found in any area that collects enough water to saturate the soils and support wetland plants. This may come as a surprise to you, but the city of Las Vegas was once a wetland. The name Las Vegas means the meadows and was named because of the numerous freshwater springs that created a lush oasis in the Mojave Desert. Even though it's one of the driest places on earth, 
enough groundwater used to seep out of these springs to create an environment that supported a wetland. Can we just take a minute to say, Wow! 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 Wetlands, even in the desert. I have a question, though. Is a river a wetland? A pond? Is the ocean? Good question. The answer is no. These are not wetlands. They are another type of aquatic ecosystem. The biggest difference is that oceans, ponds, lakes, and other large bodies of water have water depths greater than 2 meters, and they're covered in water for longer periods of time than a wetland. This means they don't support the same vegetation or have the same soil characteristics as a wetland. Now, even though an ocean, lake, pond, or river is not a wetland, you can still find wetlands on the fringes or around the edges of these aquatic ecosystems. Let's think of the Florida Everglades as an example. They're located in the southern tip of Florida. The Everglades are dominated by swamps and marshes with some areas of open water. The Everglades have such little elevation change that there is no clearly defined river or stream channel. Instead, the whole ecosystem is a sheet flow system where water moves over the entire surface of the land. This area is also known as the river of grass because all the grasses grow closely in large patches and dance as the water flows through them. Once the water nears the ocean, it turns into an estuarine wetland ecosystem where salt water from the ocean and fresh water from inland mix, which we call brackish water. These estuarine wetlands often support mangroves. These trees are very unique and have branches and roots that grow out of the water in all directions, which is actually an adaptation to withstand harsh waves. You'll learn more about these in a later episode. Estuarine ecosystems are unique wetlands because they support both freshwater and marine species, and they are some of the most productive ecosystems on Earth. Wow, that is super cool. I feel like we've covered a lot of wet ground. I'm sure there are so many more types of wetlands to explore, but you're probably going to have to keep tuning in to our future episodes for that. True, but I do want to cover one more thing. The wetlands we've described today have been described singularly as isolated entities, which isn't often the case. Meaning, in nature, these different types of wetlands exist close to each other and sometimes overlap. A wetland may even change over time into a completely different type of wetland. Our world is constantly evolving and changing, and wetlands do too. For example, an open water isolated wetland may eventually fill in with organic matter and sediments from erosion and decomposition. Over time, plants begin to take root in this buildup of nutrient-rich soils and water slowly diminishes. Starting with aquatic plants and grasses, eventually small shrubs and trees will colonize the area as the soil becomes more and more stable. These gradual changes in plant communities also cause the organisms that depend on them to shift as well. Where in an open water wetland might support organisms like fish, ducks, turtles, and frogs, a forested wetland will host things like woodpeckers, owls, deer, and other forest-dependent wildlife. The beauty of nature is that these forest wildlife species 
may ultimately cause the wetland to go back into the previous open water wetland. A great example are wetlands that are modified by beavers. Beavers chop down trees and shrubs to build dams. This blocks the flow of water and causes it to flood, which eventually removes any plants that aren't adapted to living in saturated soils. And over time, the whole ecosystem reverts to an open water wetland. What a world we live in, right? That was a really beautiful example of how wetlands exist as part of our changing world. I feel like this is a nice place to wrap up our first podcast. We have spoken very generally about what a wetland is and what defines it, as well as some real-world examples of wetlands. Does anyone want to leave our listeners with a final word on what a wetland is? Ultimately, a wetland is a unique ecosystem and the result of a complex network of interactions between living communities and the non-living environment. But the most important factor is, you guessed it, water. How much and how often it's present determines the wetland plants and wetland-dependent wildlife it can support. We hope we didn't bog you down with too much information. And that you are leaving this episode with more questions than answers. That means we've done our job. It is impossible to describe every wetland because these ecosystems are so dependent on local conditions. So if you've got a thirst for wetlands, maybe get outside, get your feet wet, and go explore a local wetland. Then join us for another episode. In the upcoming episodes, we will continue our deep dive into the shallow world of wetlands and keep exploring these special ecosystems. Up next, we dive into hydrology, where we talk about the influence of water and water movement on wetland ecosystems. A big thank you and shout out to our hosts and to everyone that helped create and edit this podcast. On behalf of the James C. Kennedy Waterfowl and Wetlands Conservation Center and Ogres Everywhere, we thank you for exploring the world of wetlands with us and we look forward to next time.